Welcome, Nexus Church family online to our series we've entitled Win the Day. Now, this series is based off a very popular book by Mark Batterson by the same title. And really, it is our hope that we can use some of the tools he shared in his book on how you can live a victorious life. How do you get there? What does it mean? What does God have for you? It's my hope that over the course of these few weeks that we can examine that and help you to become all that God has for you. If you want more information about our church or would like to to come and visit us, you can go to nexuschurchmn.com and find all the information there. You can also Google search us, find us on Facebook at nexuschurchmn, and we would love to connect with you. Drop us a, a message, email us, and we will get back to you, and we will help you and encourage you as you walk with Jesus and connect to him and connect to others. Enjoy today's message. Welcome back to another week in our series, Win the Day. Today we are going to be examining how exactly we can successfully get control of this thing called time. If you're anything like myself, time, well, it isn't exactly on my side. Not like the song says anyhow. And so how can we as individuals get a hold of time. Now, maybe you're not like me. For myself, I have this tendency to overschedule myself. I, I get so caught up in saying yes to things that I overschedule. It's a bad issue. Now, mine has more of an internal reasoning of why I can't say no to people, and so I always want to do what I can to help people out to be that that almost savior-like complex, if you will, to, to make others feel good and to make myself feel good as well. Maybe that's not your issue of why your life is spinning out of control. From what we understand in studies today, here's a couple of things that I guess I found very interesting when it comes to getting control of our lives, getting control of time and making it a slave to us instead of us being a slave to it. A couple of them that really popped out to me was that the average person is distracted every every eight minutes. Easy for me to say. Every eight minutes. Like, how can you accomplish anything if you're focused on writing a paper for eight minutes and then you get a phone call? You continue writing and then all of a sudden you get a text. You continue writing and you get a message. You continue writing and somebody pops in and says hello. How can you accomplish anything if all you have is eight minutes to focus on it? Well, maybe even more of an issue is this thing called our social media. It says in these studies that on average a person is lost in social media for two and a half hours a day. 
it doesn't seem like much, right? Like you just pop it up maybe when you're going on break at work or maybe between classes at school. And so it doesn't seem like it's that much. It's a couple minutes here, a couple minutes there. But as we continue to do research and, and as I continue to, to study what, what's coming out now after we've had so many years of, of social media in our lives, it, it's becoming very apparent that social media and the hits that it gives us and every time we open it up, every time we look at it, every time somebody comments on something or we get a, we get a flag in our phone saying we got something to check out, it, it creates a chemical reaction inside of us that continuously wants more. And we don't even realize it, but it creeps up on us. And before you know it, you're like the average person in America on your phone for two and a half hours looking at Facebook, looking at YouTube, or looking at something where there's interaction with people. It's a real issue. And if you have all three of those as an issue, we have this inability to say no. We have this distractions that you have nothing to say about, like you can't stop somebody from calling you or stopping in and saying hi. You get distracted or you yourself make poor decisions and waste your time on things that really don't matter. And so how do, we, how do we get past this? How do we get past these things that distract us and keep us from what we value most and, and get back on schedule? How do we gain control of this thing called time? Well, I want to begin by reading a passage from Ephesians 5, where Paul writes to us a very timely, timely passage. He says, so be careful how you live. Oh, that's so true. We're talking about intentionality here, right? Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools but like those who are wise, I love this statement, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So how do we win each day? Well, Paul begins very clearly and says, make the most of every opportunity. He would say something very similar to this in Colossians 4, 5, where he says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Making the best use of time. Think about this. This is such a basic statement, right? I mean, it's something that, of course, we know. Make the most of time. I, like, really, do I have to listen to this message if that's all you're going to say? But think about this. How much of our life would be different if we prioritize things in our life into what matters most first? And we talked about this a little bit in the previous message, but really we want to hunker down on how is this? How, what is the practical aspects of this? How can we make this change in our life? And the Bible actually has some things to say about it, too, which is even better. But practically, what, what does this look like? 
how do we make the most of our time out of every opportunity that God gives us today? I want to begin by asking this question. Have you ever tracked your time of productivity? Like, we're talking about when you are most effective in a day. Have you ever thought about that? Like, of course, in the passage that we, we talked about previously, we talked about kind of looking at your day and, and, and thinking about all the things you did. And did any of it line up with what you prioritize in life? But now let's, let's think about your energy level side of it. Have you ever thought about when are you at your peak performance? When are you accomplishing the most in any given day? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever tracked it? Kerry Newhoff is a, is a leadership guru. He is just an in, insanely impressive leader, especially in the church world, but he does business as well. And he, he just released a book that, that really highlighted one particular thing that I really found fascinating. I never thought of this before. And so this was just like life-changing almost to me. Maybe this is something that you already knew. But he said that most people are most productive within four to five hours of a day. You have a four to five hour window where you, at your, you are at your peak performance. Think about that. Have you, have you ever thought about that? When is that for you? For myself personally, I can guarantee you that between seven o'clock and noon, that is where I am most productive. If I'm going to accomplish anything, it will be between those hours. That's when my engine is running at high end. Now, before that, I get up and I do workouts and stuff, but I'm still like, my body's still trying to wake up and get moving. But after I get done with that workout, that's when my body is at its peak performance. And if you want to talk to me, like, I'll be on and I'm ready to have discussion and I'm ready to go, right? That is my, my window, my four to five hours where I'm at my highest. Anything outside of that time, I still will be productive potentially, but it's not going to be at my like high end, green means go, let's rock it. You know, you're talking about high end. You get a little bit before then, not so much. A little bit after that, I'll have moments of maybe yellows. But anything outside of that is, is definitely red in comparison to that, that short window. And that's how God created us. God didn't create us to just keep plowing as hard as we can all day long and just to keep grinding it out. That, that eight-hour workday really truly wasn't how we're created to be. And it is partly why we have that lunch break and why many businesses over the years have given an hour break in, in Europe where they really quite, they get this a little bit better. They have an afternoon where they just take off. hoping that when we come back, we have another four hours to give. In reality, we don't. Our greatest time was probably already spent in that first four hours of the day. So we work. We work. I can guarantee you when I get done with lunch, if I have my lunch at noon, I am, my peak is over, and I am just kind of plowing through the rest of the day, trying to get as much done as I can with a lot less energy. So, what does that mean for you? If you're truly to understand that concept, 
that I have four to five hours and am I putting things in there that are most important to me, are most important to my family, are most important to God. And so that, that, that thought is something that you really, really need to process. And it, and it truly leads into our second way that we can win the day, any day in our lives. And that's to pre-decide. Right? Once you understand really how I'm wired physically, physiologically, like how God has wired us as people, and you, you've tracked it and you understand, right? if I want to get most done, here's my time to do it. And you finally get that, then you have to pre-decide, what am I going to do with that? I have another question to ask you. Have you ever considered how much of your life is done without you even realizing it. You don't even think about it, right? How you wake up in the morning, the, the trek that you make to work or to school, your routine that once you get to work or school, how you go about just starting that day at work or at school. Maybe it's the chair that you sit in at church when you walk in the doors. How much of your life is you just walk in the door, you turn on the light switch, you turn on the TV, you go to that particular channel, you, you open up your, your iPad or whatever it is that you have for your device, and you click on that one app or that one link, and that's immediately what you do in the moment you open it up. How much of your life is just a, it's an immediate response? It's an immediate action that you don't even think about. See, that's, that, that, that's predetermination. Like, you figured that out a long time ago, and it's just in your wiring. I want to challenge you to think about areas in your life that you want to win and predetermine, get it in your mind that you're going to prioritize that. You're going to put it into that wheelhouse of that four to five hours, and I'm going to determine that that's what I'm going to work at. That's where I'm going to put my effort towards. Because really what it comes down to it in the end, what really matters? I mean, we need a job. We need to pay the bills. But is that robbing you of your highest potential for succeeding in what God has called you to? You have to ask your question. And for those of you who are just kind of like on the edge of, yeah, I don't know about this predetermination stuff, I want to throw this crazy thought out at you. Have you ever considered that God predetermined to send his son Jesus for us? Think about this. Romans 5, 8 says that while we were still a mess, God sent Jesus to save us. Before we would ever even consider receiving him, Jesus came to save us. In fact, if you read through the Bible and all of the Old Testament, it continuously points to the fact that God was sending a Messiah. He was going to send His Son to redeem us, to bring us back into a right relationship with Him. We know that ultimately God doesn't live in time. He created time. Now, I know this is getting down a little philosophical uh, track here a little bit, but seriously, God does not live in time. He steps into time and is with us, but he lives outside of time. And so for him, the end of our time as we know it is already done. 
And so when he came to earth and created it, I should say, when he created earth and he came to it, he already had in mind that he was sending his son to redeem us. That was his plan before he even created the world. It's powerful. In fact, God asked us to predetermine, to, to plan, and to think about our walk with him. Listen to this passage from Mark 14, 28, and I encourage you to go back and, and read the whole section around it because it, there's so much in this passage, and it's, it's really, really powerful. But he looks at his disciples and he says, Which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Now, in this little passage where we get this from, he, he gives a couple of examples. That he also gives one of a wartime. And who doesn't consider when he's going out to war, if he looks out and he sees that the, the enemy that he's going up against is stronger and bigger than him, wouldn't say, whoa, 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 we better stop. Let's, let's send an ambassador to go and to make a deal with this person so we don't get slaughtered, right? Like, Jesus has given some examples, some teachings, so that we would understand that we have to consider our walk with him. He asks us to give ourselves to him, to make him the Lord, that one who rules over us, a benevolent Lord, a loving Lord, a giving, gracious, forgiving God, but he is Lord. He has control over all things. And when we come to him and we want to follow him, we must make him Lord, not just Savior that forgives us of all of our sins and, and makes us right with the Father, but truly he is our Lord. He is our king. He's our leader. He's the pilot, right? And so when we come to him, Jesus in this passage is saying we must consider what it means. We must predetermine that when we walk into that relationship that we will truly give him all of us, every single aspect of our life. Now, we're, of course, not perfect, and he understands that. He knows that we're going to fail, and, and, and he needs to forgive us as we get things right and say, oh, man, I messed that up. Can you forgive me? Like, he, he's gracious like that, but, but truly, our walk with him must be predetermined that we are going to truly do our best to follow him. Progress, not perfection what God is looking for. It's a, it's a predetermining. But not only does he ask that for our walk with him, he asks that in every area of our life. This is something that God asks of us to predetermine, to, to consider, to plan out our life. Listen to Psalm 90 verse 12. It says, teach us to number our days. That's planning or predetermining as we've been talking about. It's planning. Number our days. Figure out our, our day, our month, our, our, our year, right? Our decade. Not that we're going to know everything and we're not standing staunchly on this was what I said and I'm not backing down from it, but to, to consider, to plan it out, to think about. Why? So I mean that, that we may get a heart of wisdom. There is something about processing and thinking things through and planning, making goals. God wants us to consider, what are we committing ourselves to? What am I saying yes to? What am I saying no to? 
is it lining up with what I value, with what I have for the, the time that I've been given, that four to five hours? Am, am I over pushing myself? Am I going beyond that and trying to do in, 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 in 10 hours what really I was created to do within four to five hours? You can't do everything. I think you're awesome. God thinks you're awesome, but you're not God. He created you to work and to rest. Not to work and to maybe rest if you get a chance. I'm preaching to myself, and so I'm right there with you. Again, going back to I need to learn to say no. Because ultimately, whatever I don't say no to and I'm saying yes to, ultimately, I'm shortchanging what really is most important because I can only give so much. And then I believe, I personally believe, and I can tell you from my self-experience, that burnout is because we don't know how to live within that four to five hours. We try to push it. Not that you can't do things outside of that time, but we try to push ourselves to be a quality 10 hours a day. Not that we need to be lazy, but we need to prioritize our lives in such a way where we can give the most when we need to and we can throttle back a little bit and say, I'm going to be here. I'm going to do the best I can, but I'm not going to try to kill myself. Predetermine, plan, schedule yourself properly and appropriately. And then lastly, invest in what matters. Now, again, Paul ended his little thought here to the Ephesians that we are to not act thoughtlessly, right? But to understand what the Lord wants you to do. There's a lot of cool things out there that you can do in this world. There's a lot of amazing things that powerful people are doing that I respect and that I wish I could do. And that would be a really good thing for me to do. But is it what the Lord wants me to do? It might not be. God has a call in my life. God has a call on your life to invest in what matters. Listen to Proverbs 16.3. I think it really ties this in really well. It says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established or will succeed, as some passages say or some translations say. Right? Commit your work to the Lord. God, you guide me. You Show me what you want. I think that's a great way to really close this down. Our biggest win will be when we truly say, God, this is yours. It's not mine. There's a lot of things that I can do in my day, God. And they're all important. In fact, some of them I think that I really have to do. But truly, 
you don't have to do that. You only have to do what God tells you to, whether it's through his word, and it says, you know, take care of your family, provide for those under your care, do that. God isn't going to come down from heaven and speak to you and say, nah, I don't want you taking care of your family anymore. I, I relieve you of that duty. No, his word is final. When he says something in his word and it's in the, in the Bible, honor your father and mother, take care of those who are in your family, do it. That's where Jesus got ticked off at the Pharisees because they're saying, oh, no, 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 no. I was, I'm, I'm, God told me to give, give my, my stuff to, to, the, to the temple. And Jesus was like, no, the Bible says honor your father and mother. Provide for those who are in your care. Honor them. Don't, don't be given to the church what you are supposed to take care of your family with. Right? Now, again, we, we, we understand that there are times where things don't make sense. And you're trying to figure things out. And maybe, maybe you're getting a little bit out of line from what you know is to be true. God will forgive that. Get back to where you know you need to be. Follow God's word. Listen to what he says to you in your time of connection with him in prayer. You want to win the day. You want to win the day. Get back to what matters most. Understand your time, your abilities, your physical capabilities. Start figuring out one of those areas in your life that you know you need to prioritize and get back to them and ultimately get back to God and know what he wants. Have time with him in his word and in prayer. And lastly, I just want to leave you with this one passage that Paul gives. This passage has been one that has really encouraged me because I myself haven't always won a day, a week, a year, a season in my life. I've went backwards, not forward, in a season in my life just recently, right? I think many of us have. The pandemic and everything that came from the social unrest after it just, it, it, it took people back a little bit. We had to rethink who we are, what we're about, and what we're going to do going forward. Sometimes in life, you will take a step back. But Paul looks at us, and he writes to the Galatians in chapter 6, verse 9. Do not grow weary for doing good. Even if you take 10 steps back, don't stop. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Don't give up. Even if you think God has let you down, don't give up on him. Don't give up on what he's called you to do. Get back into the game. Spend some extra time with him and say, God, this is where I'm at. I'm angry. I'm hurt. I'm sad. I feel lost. Or maybe you've been in a good season. You can tell him, thank you for this amazing season. Find something to, to just absolutely thank him about. But then get back to saying, where do you want me to go next? I want to never stop pressing. 
I won't ever want to stop doing what he calls me to. Because with it comes blessing, comes favor. Because we're in line with where he has called us to. And we will reap. Maybe not here on earth, but we'll reap the blessings in heaven. When we get back and to his presence, we look and we say, man, my life wasn't perfect. But I kept at it. And for that, I'm thankful. I want that to be your prayer. So, Father, I pray for every person listening today that that will be their prayer. That they will start in square one. Get back to you. Get back to your word. Get back to, to letting you speak to them through your word and through prayer. And then start questioning what, what is most important in my life and how does it fit into where my window of, pro, of productivity is. And that we'll just take one step at a time and we don't give up. And that when we cross that finish line, we can look back and we can say, wow, I'm, I went a lot further than I thought I did. So give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to respond the way you would have us respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you again this week.